so grateful for having some guests with us here today. They are dear friends of mine, Joel and Adrian Shares. Siéntete, por favor. You may be seated. Do you want it in Hebrew? Shuv ala kise. Joel and I met years ago at North Point Bible College. At that time, it was Zion Bible College. And uh, what's amazing about these two, you've, you've, I've actually referred to them at different times about how sometimes God calls us in different ways. And so Adrian, from a very young age, was like, God's called me to Africa to missions. And Joel was just kind of like, okay, and just did it. And they, for the past several decades, began in the nation of Mozin, uh, in the nation of Angola, which is a Portuguese colony, so it's a Portuguese-speaking nation. And it was always within these post-war contexts. They had 30 years of civil war. It, you can't just take a stroll in that nation because the, there are landmines all over the place. And you see children who have their legs missing as a result of, of just the post-scar of war. You could still see it in people's eyes. It was still in their mentality. And, and they showed up in that country under a missionary and just began to serve and said, we know God's called us. We want to make a difference. Not only did they show up in that context, but they showed up there and raised their three children. And at the right moment, when the time came, God put them in their full-fledged commission into the country of Mozambique, which is basically like if you jump from Angola over uh, Zambia and Zimbabwe, you land right in Mozambique. Again, another Portuguese-speaking country. And they just have been there in the middle of, of a Islamic context in a Muslim nation sharing Jesus with the favor of God. And I just think they are going to blow your socks off and blast your hair back with just some of the amazing things that God's doing. But here's the thing that I love about this couple. Every time you hear them share and every time they talk about what is going on, it is never we did this or we did that. It's, it, it's always about God did this and we did this together. And so we as a church made a pledge, a pledge of $120,000 towards missions, and you are going to get to see and hear and understand the eternal impact that we've been giving to. Sometimes we're so far removed, and as a church, I'm so proud to be part of a community where your heart and your giving is in the right place. I think sometimes we need to see it with our eyes and hear it with our ears to give purpose to that sacrifice that you've been giving as a church. Would you please welcome my dear friend, your and our missionary and our partner in ministry, Joel Shares. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Uh, man, it's a privilege. I get to preach twice in the same day. That's like one church service in Africa, so it's good. So I can like split it up. Um, well, good morning. It's a privilege to be back here with you once again. And I want to introduce my wife, Adrian. She's here in the front. I don't know if she wants to stand, she wants to sit, she can... Uh, as Pastor said, we have three children. Kiera is our oldest. She's 17. Uh, we moved overseas when she was like three-ish, two-something. She turned two in Portugal while we were studying Portuguese. We still have to study Portuguese. Man, that's a complex language. But thank God it's not Chinese. Um, and then we have, so Kiera is 17, and Michaela now is 12, and our son Jacob is now 10 and a half. And so they are not here with us today. They are getting to spend time with their grandmothers. So uh, they're enjoying a little bit of family time. They only get to see their grandparents like 
for one year out of, we're back normally for one year out of four. This time we were in Mozambique for four and a half years. So it had been a while since they saw their grandmother, so they're hanging out with her this weekend. And uh, so uh, we're excited to, to be in here, sh to be able to share with you what's happening in Mozambique. Uh, not what we're doing, but what God is doing. That's the key. Because uh, I'm just, I'm just Joel. I, I don't, I'm nothing, you know, I just, I just go where God has asked me to go. As Pastor Paul has said, he said, like, Adrian was, knew she wanted to go to Mozambique by the time she was 12. She said, Mozambique is on my heart. God's called me to be a missionary. And we started dating. You know, we were at North Point. We're North Point. Well, Zion grads, I don't know what, how you call it. Is it North Point grads or Zion grads? Whatever. We went to that school when it was back in Rhode Island. And uh, so God has, he, we got, ended up getting married. And I was like, That's, I'll go to Africa, sure, you know. So, um. But God has just place he's called us, and uh, we just try to serve him wherever and in whatever situation he puts us. Mozambique right now, we just ask for your prayers. Mozambique got uh, hit with a cyclone six weeks ago. It ripped through the middle of the country all the way into Zimbabwe. Um, it was a, a cyclone is like a Category 4 hurricane, but because of the Indian Ocean and that water, they call it a cyclone, but it's the same thing as a hurricane. And uh, it hit a city of about a half a million people. And they still don't know how many people have died because they can't get into the most of the regions to find out who survived the storm. Our missionary colleagues are working um, down and trying to bring uh, relief with Convoy of Hope. And, uh, and then Thursday night, a second cyclone hit the northern part of Mozambique. And that's where we live. So we were, unfortunately, uh, we weren't there. Um, as most people, they want to get out of the hurricane zones, but we wish we were there to help our neighbors. Um, we're getting text messages with video of streets that we used to walk and drive down that are now rivers. Um, so far, we've heard that our property, our actual house, is still above water. It's still... I haven't seen, there's erosion all around it, and you can see that some of the foundation, it could, if the rains don't stop soon, it could start to uh, have some issues. But we're thanking God that our house is still up, uh, and we have this enormous mango tree right on our backside, and if it fell, that would have been huge uh, destruction. But God has saved our property, but um, in and around our city, there are many people that are underwater. Um, the site, when the cyclone hit, um, it came just to the north of our city, so the bulk of the winds went to the north of us, and we have a little island that we call Ibu Island, and it's, a, it's an island that they, ha they are all Muslim, they have no interest in Christianity, um, and it, there's a lot of history behind it. Late sometime, if we had an hour to talk about other things, we can go into it, but they are very resistant to the gospel. They're called the Mwani people, and it's one of the hardest people groups to reach in Mozambique. They are just very, very resistant to the gospel. We have a small church there. I have yet to hear if the pastor and his family survived the storm because there's, there's no cell phone signal. Everything's cut off. There's no communication. And I know the road to, from my house to get to the road to then get on the boat. It takes about four hours when the road is dry. Most likely you can't get down the road. So unless you helicopter in, I think that's probably pretty much the only way to get in and find it. That little island lost 90% of their homes in one night. You have to imagine Hurricane Katrina. 
yet with bamboo houses, what the destruction would be like. And so we're praying one of our other communities just uh, north of our house, they have 30,000 people that were homeless overnight because their houses were just completely leveled. And now they have the, they're predicting five days of heavy rain and that's what's bringing now the flooding. So now they're homeless and now the flooding starts. So we want to ask you, please pray for Mozambique. Over the course of these next few weeks, they are, the people are in need of a lot of prayer. We've seen, we, see the, we sing the song, God is good and he is good. Through the midst of these, this suffering, we've watched that church come together like never before. We've seen missionary organizations that never worked before, they never worked together before, are now coming together. How can we help one another? How can we help the Mozambican people all together as the overall church of Jesus Christ? So God is and will be glorified. He always, that's just who he is. He will help, he will save. And through the midst of this tragedy, we're just asking you to pray for the people and pray for the church to rise up so that we can share the love of Jesus Christ in a way that possibly they would never have been accepted, but maybe now they'll have ears to hear what the God of the universe has to say. Amen. So just pray for Mozambique. We want to share with you a little bit about what we do. Um, we, there's this little African statue here. Um, this is made from the Makonde people. And if you, afterwards, if you want to come up and check it out, you can. There's just a bunch of uh, people all around, and they're holding one another up. Each one has someone else that they're lifting up above themselves. And talking to the artist that did this carving, this is ebony wood. And if you can see, it's like white wood on the outside, but dark wood on the inside. That's natural. This isn't two pieces of wood put together. So they have to get through the, the outer part of the, the wood to get to the black. They call it pampareti in, in Portuguese. And so they're holding one another up. And in the Maconde people in much of, much of the African continent, they believe in community. They believe that life has to be done together. They are not living alone. And even in my neighborhood, it's interesting to watch how when it becomes time for, to cook, most of uh, our neighbors cook on charcoal fires. And so um, if, on our, if our house were the first ones to light a, a fire to begin cooking, my wife normally doesn't cook on charcoal, just so you're all wondering. She does have a gas stove. But at times we are, you know, we, we do like the, the charcoal. And so then instead of like waiting for, it's kind of like we will start a fire, get one of the coals burning, and then that coal will then go to my neighbor's house, who then uses it to light his fire and takes another piece from his fire, brings it to the next one, and it kind of spreads throughout the community. It's just one small example of how they live life together. And I can tell you that being a missionary in Mozambique, I learn more from the Mozambicans than I, than I teach them. I am proud to say that I never want to be 100% American ever again because that is just not the way that, it's just not the way to live life. You've got to understand how being together makes life better. And I think I can look out and there's different cultures in this place and it's amazing to see one church, it doesn't matter where we're from, it doesn't matter our backgrounds, our cultures, skin colors, that stuff doesn't matter. We are together 
as one church. And so um, I'm probably preaching to the choir today because you, you, you get that. But I grew up in a small town in Connecticut where, you know, your family had this pew and the other family had the other pew and you didn't really mix much. You know, is you know, you don't, you live in the same house for like 18 years, but you don't know who lives next to you. Like, and so when I would share with our friends in Mozambique this, they were like, you guys are so weird over there. Like, what's the matter with you? And so from this simple little craft of, of that, it's a lesson, I believe, for the church today that we need to be together. And the Holy Spirit put a word in my heart when we were getting ready to leave Mozambique. And he said, if the American church does not understand that we are better together, there will come a time where they will have to know it and they'll have to learn it. And I don't want to scare anybody, but the end times, we're living in them. And there will be a time, if you think you can live for Jesus on your own, you will be forced to learn that you need the community, you need the church, because it's not going to get any easier than it is. Coming back into American culture, it is scary to see what our country has become. The things that your kids and your grand, like my kids growing up in, I, I can't even imagine, but we need one another. And so we want to share with you, what, what are we doing in Mozambique? But as I share, know that we have teams of Mozambicans that work with us. This is not, this is what Joel and Adrian do. This is what we help do. We play a small part in it, and we have so many people from the church in Mozambique that work alongside of us to make this all happen. So in the Assemblies of God World Missions, uh, we do four different, four different things. Number one, we reach the lost. Number two, we plant churches. Number three, we train believers, and that's discipleship. And four, we serve the poor. And so how do, in our context in Mozambique, where we live, how do we accomplish those four things? So I want to share with you um, this morning how we're doing that. To set the stage, I want to tell you a little bit about our context. In northern Mozambique, we live in a small rural town. There is a lot of people. There's about 200,000 people. But most of my neighbors, most of our city, live in bamboo houses with little tin roofs. And normally it's, you know, I had, it was fun to learn how to make a bamboo house. You know, you stick, it's, it's amazing how they do it. And so, and then you stuff that bamboo with some mud and it stays, it's like cement. And so that's typical of, of my neighborhood. In our area, it's one of the poorest parts of Mozambique. Um, there's no work. Uh, most people try to sell something to then just kind of scrape by for the day. They say that most people maybe make about a dollar a day um, if they can find something, some, some work to do. Education is very low. We have high school graduates that can't read and write. Now some do, some, some learn and, and do well, but a lot of them, like when I have to ask for a receipt for things, I, ha I have to write it myself and then they put a little X on the line for the most part because they don't know how to spell their name. Um, there's other places where you have to, like notaries, you have to, they just put fingerprints because the education is just hasn't caught up yet. The, the outlook in life is pretty dim because there's no work there's with lack of education. Um, so you see cars with writings like bumper stickers that say the ground is the limit. 
Um, they say in Portuguese, sofrimento é geral, like suffering is for everyone. Like things that really lift you up. You know what I mean? Like get you excited about waking up the new day for a new, you know, what are you going to do today? And they're like, uh, I'm just going to stay home. Just sit here. Because there's, there's nothing to do. There's no work. And that brings this hopelessness for the most part over the people. Yet when you go visit them, they're full of joy and they're giving. They'll try to, they'll take whatever they have and they'll, they'll make you a meal. People that are giving yet have nothing. And so that's our, that's kind of our context of, of where we go in. But so we arrived there, like, what do we do? And so God said, well, what do you have? I said, well, I got a, these couple of soccer balls. We got this open piece of land here. It's sand and we play some soccer. So we invited about our neighborhood kids, about 25 boys showed up, started playing soccer with them. We sit them down, serve them some juice, teach them a little Bible lesson, character traits, that kind of thing. And so week after week, we began doing this, and more and more kids started showing up. And then we were like, we got to make an effort to get some, invite some of the girls, because, you know, girls can play soccer too, and they can come. So we, it got, we had girls starting to show up. Then we got the babies coming. We had to have little toys on the thing. And it was just, we ended up having, like, at some, some weeks, over 200 kids show up. It's just me and Adrian, and we have our <coughs> Mozambican guy that lives on our property. And Antonio, and he, he was helping us. And so it's just three people with like 200 or so kids. Now, I don't know, I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes it could get a little crazy. And so we, we had our fun, we played and taught, and we invested into the lives of these children. But then we wanted to make the soccer games a little bit more special. We wanted to have actual soccer goals with nets, but you can't run down to the sports store. You can't go on Amazon. Amazon does not deliver to, to Mozambique. Um, you can order it, but it won't come. It will go somewhere. And so, uh, so we went to get nets for these goals. We ended up in a little fishing village to ask a fisherman to make us some nets to cover the goals. And so when it was time for the nets to be picked up, the Holy Spirit put in my heart to ask this fisherman if he would be willing to have us come and teach him and his family about the Bible. And I thought, that's crazy. I thought that was one of my crazy ideas that was coming from me. But you know, there's a difference between crazy ideas and the Holy Spirit speaking. A crazy idea, you can, it will come and you can kind of shut it out and it disappears and goes away. When the Holy Spirit speaks, you can't turn that off. And so I made God an agreement. I'll ask, but I can't promise he's going to say no. He's going to say yes. I don't know what he's going to say. If he says no, then, you know. But it was, I was thinking it was crazy because this fisherman is a devout Muslim. I thought, why would a devout Muslim invite me as the missionary to come teach him and his family about the Bible? And so I made God that agreement, my great faith as a missionary. And so... You know, God doesn't, sometimes we don't have much faith, but God can use what, we, what little we do have, right? So when we showed up, got our nets, paid the, paid the fishermen, and then I asked him the question. My heart's like, doo, doo, doo. would you be interested in having us come and teach you and your family about the Bible? That's what we do. We're missionaries. And he looks at me with this big smile on his face, and he says, yes, we'd love to have you come. And I was like, What? 
you're like head to foot Islamic garb, you know? And he goes, but not just for me and for my house here. Let's invite the whole community. So he gets on his cell phone. You know, they might have like limited electricity and no running water, but they got a cell phone. And sometimes all the, the neighbors will charge their phones at my house sometimes too. And so he gets up on a, gets his phone out and he calls the community leader, the guy who's in charge. Says, hey, we have this American missionary that wants to teach our village about the Bible. You want to come meet him? And I thought, That's, I'm going to get myself killed. And so you have to understand, we, as well in our province, we have Al-Shabaab terrorism like once a, once a month. They raid villages, burn churches, chase pastors. for That's what they do. This happens a lot. And so I'm thinking, you know, this is crazy. Don't over the phone tell this guy that I want to come and teach their community about the Bible. I'll, you know, I'll be in trouble. So anyways, this, this man comes. He's, he's, a, he's the tallest Mozambican I've ever seen in my life. Usually they're about my height, but this guy, he is near seven feet. And I'm getting nervous. Like, and he has the tunic hat on and he's coming from the mosque and I'm just like what have I got myself into God I'm going to kill you because you know <laughs> you know the faith the faith of the missionary <laughs> and so anyway he comes and he gets all excited he goes yeah let's do it and when can you come back can you come tomorrow and I was like well I can't because tomorrow's Sunday I have to preach at this other church but then I'll come on Monday so I me and Adrian we take our three kids out to his village on Monday to teach a small group of people, a small group of people, that's what we were thinking, a small group of people about the Bible. They realized that school is in session, and so they said, let's go up to the school, see what the director, introduce you to the director. We go up there, long story short, director cancels school, sends out whatever 400 or so kids to the soccer fields, Go play with the American missionary family that came and listen to what he has to say. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, this village has been resistant. When other missionaries found out I was going to that village, they started to laugh. They said, don't waste your time there. They have no interest in a church or Jesus. So that day opened up what we then, what became a weekly Saturday soccer outreach. We go there, we play soccer. We then, uh, because of the numbers of the kids, we split them into three classrooms. The school let us use their classrooms. The village lets us use their big soccer field. We split that field into several fields, and it's just a crazy time with a bunch of kids. And then we teach them character traits about the Bible. Parents would come back and say, I don't know what you're teaching them, but my kids are acting different. And we always point them to Jesus. Over years, we did that, and then I finally went back to those leaders, and I said, now we, we would really love to plant a church. So we reached the loss with a soccer ball to then plant the church. And they agreed. Muslim leaders said, yes, we would like your church to come. We'll help you find land. So Muslims found us a land. Muslims sold us the land. Then I led a missions team, half Muslim, half Christian, to build the church and the, and the place for the pastor to stay. I can't, like, I still don't understand how. But it goes back to the, what, what if I would have said, no, I'm not going to ask that man the question. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. And then he enabled 
to bring redemption to a people that would have never heard before. This is what you guys do. Because we live the African way. We do things together. This is what your missions dollars do. This is what your missions prayers accomplish. God had to open the hearts of those people. This wasn't something that I'm a great speaker and I can convince them to allow us to come. No. This is what God, through his Holy Spirit, opened the heart of those people, opened the village so that God's name would be glorified. Last year on Mother's Day, we had our first service at that little church. We had about a, I always counted about how many people from the community because we have a team of Mozambicans from, the, from my town that would go and help plant the church. We had about 12 people show up. One of them was a young girl who after service said, man, I really wish my mom could have came, but she can't walk. She, this leg has no strength. She can't even stand. It's been this way for about 10 years. I said, well, where does your mom live? Can we go see her? Can we pray for her? So he, uh, she led us to, to her house. We walked past the witch doctor's house, the little, the little huts that are very dark inside, and there's lots of, you, it's just a spiritual darkness. We walked past all that stuff, and we arrived at this lady's house. And I asked the two young Mozambican men that were with me, I said, I want you guys to pray for this lady in their dialect. Because in that little town, my Portuguese, they don't speak much Portuguese. And I said, I want her to understand who you're praying to for healing. This is not, this is not a, an American missionary that's going to heal you. This is not anything to do with that. This is Jesus that can heal you. And so these two young men prayed for that lady. We were standing there praying as well. But they laid their hands on her leg, and they prayed for her healing. Within days... She was up and walking. The strength came back to her leg. That news spread. Let me tell you, it spreads. When a lady that they knew could no longer walk is up walking again, getting water. Because it's an open community. You have to walk to go get your water every day. You have to walk to the mashamba or the field to grow your food. And so they know everything that's going on. And they knew this lady was different. Her leg was touched. So that spread. We began to get sick people in church. We had a lady come, and she's, an, again, another older lady. And she came, she was blind, she couldn't see. During one of our services, I can't tell you who prayed for her. I don't remember because I'll pray for the people, but I'm, I, I don't pray alone. We pray as a church. I tell them, we're not planting a church and I'm your pastor. No. We're a community of people who follow Christ. And we're on this journey together. So what we do, we do together. So somebody prayed for that older lady to be able to see, and today she sees. And so God, <laughs> these are the things I, I, I like to tell, like, you prayed for the lady, and today she sees. Because you are praying for us, enabling us to be there. You give sacrificially so that we can be there. And, but it's not something that we do. It's something that we do as a community of people following Jesus Christ to fulfill the Great Commission. So we plant churches. We disciple. And that we're now discipling about seven people in that community that are now have given their life to Christ. It's a 
for them to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it's not like just raise your hand, say a prayer, and everything's good. There are repercussions to converting to Christianity in an Islamic village. There are risks involved. And these people have taken and just said, no, Jesus, he must be my Lord and Savior. And I will take whatever comes as a result of it. So we are discipling seven people at this time. And so uh, our service just closed several hours ago because they're six hours ahead of us. And so um, God is moving in that village. So if you remember the name Sakura, that's the name of the village that we're in. If you can't remember that, eh, it's just that fishing village where they, where they have lots of Muslims. That's fine. You can pray like that. And God will continue to touch those people and move throughout that community that his name would be glorified. So we plant churches. We disciple how we disciple, we have to develop cur the curriculum. We do a lot of kids' ministry, so we write and develop curriculum. But not that I write it, but we write it with a team of Mozambicans because they know their culture, their language, and all those things much better than I will ever. We've served in Mozambique for a long time, but it's still, we're not 100% Mozambican yet. I'm on, my, I'm on that journey. And so um, we work with a good team of people. We write all of our lessons prior to the weekend. We write all of our, our material. Um, in a meeting, we normally have rice and beans. If you like rice and beans, come for Thursday meeting. We'll have rice and beans for lunch, and then we teach on Saturday. And so that's what we do to, to help disciple. And then serving the poor, we are always looking for villages that will come across that have no drinking water. And so currently there's two wells being drilled in the Nyasa province, which is neighboring to us, that we put together. And we're, we always drill on church property so that the church then gives the water to the people. Not that the American church gives the water to the people. We always set it up as the church. We Missionaries, we can't be the heroes. We don't want to be the heroes. We want the local pastor and the local church to be the heroes in the community. And so they're then giving out the water. So we drilled one back, I think it was several months ago, in the town of Samora Michelle. And there they were walking for, I think it was about five miles to the river to get water each day. And so if you used more than five or six gallons that would fit in the bucket, you would have to walk that twice. So you have to be careful when you're using water. So as you use your water in your homes, remember that there are people that have to walk a long ways uh, to get water. And, uh, but when there, the, we finally found water on that church property, and let me tell you, there's like a party in the whole community. And that puts that church on the map. They're like, that's the church that gave us water. And they look at that pastor and that church and that community, and they, I mean, the church attendance has skyrocketed because they're connecting the love of Jesus Christ with physical water. And so um, it's exciting to be a part of those projects. Um, so that's how we do kind of, in our context in Mozambique, the four things, reaching the lost, planting churches, discipling, and helping the poor in whatever way we can. And so I want to talk to you about two things, and I'm watching the clock real quick. We need to, number one, as a church of Jesus Christ, we need to serve the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm just going to read a couple of verses real quick for you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. And the church, basically, he says it as the church is all those who have been called by God to be his holy people by means of, of Christ Jesus. So what Jesus did for everyone everywhere, his sacrifice on the cross made us part of the church. 
that we are the church. Then in verse 4, he says, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Sometimes in these greetings of the, the epistles, we run over some of this, these verses really quick and we don't actually cap capture what's there. But Paul is saying that once we belong to Christ, we've been given gifts. So you all have been given gifts. If you, if you belong to Christ, you've been given gifts. My question is, what are you doing with them? Or do you even know that you have them? I don't have the gift of singing nor playing anything. Some gifts we think are more important than other gifts because they might be more visual. But never underestimate the gift that God has given you. He's given you one because it says it right here. It says in verse 5, through him God has enriched your church in every way. So through the gifts that God has given you, you then enrich your church, your community of Christ. Then it says, verse 7, now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God has given us, not any one of us individually, but he's given us as a community of Christ followers everything we need, all the gifts that we need as we wait for Jesus' return. I mean, that's amazing. But the question is, sometimes in the church we lack certain ones, but they're here. But some of us may not know that God has given us a gift, and some of us might be hesitant to use that gift. Because a lot of times we think, well, the people up here on the stage, the the people that lead worship or the people that pray. Or, but God has given, even if you never come to the platform in front of people, you still have a gift to serve your church. Because I know that there are many times there are people that are suffering or dealing with different issues. And sometimes all we need is a word of encouragement from our brother or sister. Right? But sometimes we're hesitant. So I want you to, to know, understand today that you have been given a gift. And what are we doing with it? And then in Matthew chapter 28, I want to close with this, the verses of the Great Commission. We already heard them read today. And I want to focus on kind of the bookends of that Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Jesus has all authority and all power. He's the one that opened the door in that little fishing village for us to go preach the gospel. It wasn't my eloquent words or speech, whatever. But God opened that door. He has all power and authority. So when God nudges you, when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart to minister to someone in your life, maybe a coworker, maybe a friend, maybe a family member, neighbor, whatever, be obedient to that voice because God will enable you to minister to that person and their life will be transformed because Jesus has all power and authority. And then he says at the end, I will be with you always. Let me tell you, I would not be living in northern Mozambique if I wasn't convinced that Jesus was with me. Why would I want to take my family and raise my three kids in a place that I have to wonder if we're the next city for the terrorist attack? I watched those, the guys come to the mosque with their 
extreme luxury SUVs, and then the following day, there's an attack on a village. I watch it happen. Why would I want to live in a place if I wasn't convinced Jesus is with me? But our kids grow up there. They love it. Mozambique is their home. They struggle here in America because there's their home. But we go because Jesus is with us. So as we watch this video of what we are doing together for the gospel, I want you to think, what are the gifts that God has given me and how can I use them to benefit the church where I'm at? And secondly, how? Because the Great Commission, I want you to never underestimate the gift that God's given you, but I also don't want you to turn a command of Jesus Christ into a, well, if it's convenient for me, a suggestion, right? So think about how you can reach someone this week with the gospel. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Paul, for this opportunity. And we'll watch the video.
Can you hear me? There we go. Boaz gave me permission to use his microphone. He says it's okay. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I'm just, if I could just say from the bottom of my heart how proud I am of you as a community and for the individuals that are here that have risen up to get what it is to love, to give, to serve. And man, just sometimes you just need to see what's going on. This is why I really am convinced every one of, we'll probably eventually reach a point where like in order to be part of this community, like to say, I am a member of this church, like you have to go on a missions trip because this world does not function the way that we function. We don't see things the way that the rest of the world sees. And um, I had the privilege of working and visiting shortly with uh, Adrian and Joel when they were in Angola, Africa. And just, it's eye-opening. I don't, I don't want to make declarations, but wouldn't it be something if next year when they're settled in there and, they, and it makes sense for them that we send a group of people over there to, to be a part of that? How many of you would want to be a part of something like that? Amen? Yeah. Yeah. And so this summer we're going to Guatemala. We have a team of people that are just bringing their gifts and their talents and bringing it to bear. Next Saturday we're going to just simply serve our city and bless it. It's going to be a great time. You're going to get email blasts on that and texts and voice messages. We're going to drive you nuts. Don't sit home and watch television or eat a late breakfast. Don't sit on Bible College campus. Join us, please. Please serve our city. Serve it. Serve it. Let's do it. Let's make a difference. Well, as I was here this morning and we were in first service and I was just listening to them share, I just felt very clearly God speak to my heart. We're going to, as a church, we're going to give them not down the road, not or whatever, but this week as a church, we're going to give them $10,000 to help that nation clean up what they and to help them with the needs that they have as they itinerate. I mean, they've got all kinds of bills traveling around through the country. And, and because let me tell you what, the people that we have on that wall are people who are friends, who we know personally, who are people that are doing radical things like what you heard. When was the last time you saw someone's eyes open or a cripple walk or a Muslim village allow you to share the gospel? Is this not, is this not why we exist? Is this not why we do what we do? It is. And so what I'm gonna do is something very unique and different that is not typical of our community and it's not anything you have to do. This is nothing you have to do. But I really believe if we don't get the funds from the community here, we're going to take them out of the general fund if we need to. We're going to take them out of the mission funds. We're going to make it happen. But the Bible talks about a free will offering. And hear the words in that, free will. Nobody's forcing you to. It's out of your heart. You say, I see that. I need to help with that. We're going to do two things very quickly. I'm going to have the ushers come forward and we're going to pray and we're going to give you a chance to help offset that, that step that we're going to do. It's a given. I know God spoke to my heart. I know we're going to do it and we're going to give that to them. And if you want to participate in, in any way, however large or small that is, you can do that. Nobody's going to look down on you. Uh, nobody's going to be looking at the details for it, but this is what is God, if God spoke to me and said, this is what we need to do, then it means that he's definitely spoken to you out there. And this is how, this is how it happens. So we're going to pray and we're going to do that. And then as we close, I'm going to have the worship team lead us in music. And I'm going to have every single elder that's here, their wife that's here, any uh, minister in our community, if you're, if you're a licensed or ordained minister, um, and the pastoral staff. And we're going to meet across the front. And maybe you don't need to receive sight, but maybe someone you need to needs a miracle. Uh, this Tuesday I go to with my father and we're getting the results of a CAT scan for lung cancer. 
I'm going to be down here praying with somebody because he needs that miracle. Some of you need a cloud of depression to lift, a grip, stronghold on your life to release, or maybe there's somebody you know, whatever it is. Uh, if you've never experienced a miracle, God says, ask and you shall receive. Amen? Amen. So we're going to ask. This is your chance to be prayed for and to, to just know that we're doing this together. We're not alone. We're not alone. So let me pray and then let's worship in, in our free will giving. And then as the, they get to the back there, don't wait for a prompt. Every single one of you that, that fit the description of prayers, you just come up here and we are going to pray for you. If you have a need, it's, it's our honor. It's our pleasure. It's our privilege to do that. We want to do that with you. God is your defender. He's going to help you. Amen. Amen. Lord, in the name of Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the truth and the power of who you are. Thank you for what you're doing in Mozambique. Thank you for a 12-year-old girl that can hear from you and say, I'm going to go. Lord, for a, a young man like Joel who'd say, I, I haven't heard anything, but I know it's the right thing to do. And here we are decades later into this and entire villages are coming to know you. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being part of the Great Commission, not just locally, but globally. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And Lord, in some small way today, we do it through our giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your generosity as this happens. Father, I pray a blessing on your people and a blessing for those that need special prayer. She would meet us at the point of need. Lord, bring new wine out of our life. We just thank you that you always, always challenge us so that more fruit.
comes out of your life. I know this is a strange place for me to teach or say something, but I have to share this. My wife shared something with me this week. And I think this is for some of you that are going through a difficult time. There's a, a farmer and on one side, an entire orchard that is completely overgrown and just weedy and the trees are just worthless and they're inactive. And then on the other side, there are vines and trees that are snipped and clipped back. And it was confusing because the person said, why aren't you like tending that? And they said, because the fruitful, potential fruitfulness of this tree in this area, it's not there anymore. No matter how much I clip back and prune, it's not going to be fruitful anymore. But for the area that can produce fruit for years to come, I snip, I clip, and I trim. Some of you are going through some, I just feel in my heart, some of you are going through some difficult times and some of your lives are being snipped and trimmed and clipped. Don't be discouraged by that. God's not punishing you. He's pruning you because he knows that there is greater fruit that can come from your life. Amen. Thank you for coming to the house of God. Be encouraged, be blessed, and be aware that God is with you. He's your defender and he loves you.